0: Join me as I open us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, even though the weather is not what we were necessarily thinking it would be, and it doesn't always um, make for a pleasant morning when we get wet, and we have to dodge uh, puddles and all the other things, Lord, it's still your gift to us that you use the water to nourish the earth and you know what we need and we thank you for the rain. I thank you for faithfulness my brother John to step in and open your word for us this morning. I pray that you give him wisdom and clarity. And Lord, help us to set aside all the distractions so that we can focus on you. We do pray for Pastor Steve that he will be able to feel better and be healthy enough and well enough to preach from your word and to preach the truth powerfully. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As I shared earlier, the Bible gives many, many names to our great God, many titles. Judge, King, Defender, Preserver, Shepherd. Another title given is Creator. begins in the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And in verse 8, God said it, and it came to being. One thing we've been doing in Awana with the Sparks is going through this year, learning about God through His creation, and all the things around us that we should be thankful for. I wish Thanksgiving was more than one day a year. I wish it was every day. Because every day we wake up in the morning, we always have something to be thankful for. Most of all, this time of the season, that God loved us to send His Son to be our substitute and die on the cross for our sins so we could be saved. And one thing I've, over the last few years, been reminded of over and over, working in the jail, working in the military, with soldiers. God is faithful to us every day. When He wakes us up in the morning, there's a reason. Doug and I have shared with the inmates time to time, when He wakes you up in the morning, thank God. That means you got a purpose today. And He has you here on this earth for a reason. A short time ago, we were walking at Disney a few days ago, and I I met some soldiers, a Korean veteran, I met a Vietnam veteran, and several other veterans. And they love to tell their story. Everybody's got a story. But our story, number one, is Jesus saved us. That's what we need to be telling others about. He's a creator, the one who created us. He created everything around us. Is there anything that we can't bring to God today? Anything beyond God Nothing, because He loves us, and He's promised He will take care of us. God's Word refers to God as Creator many times. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, when you will say, I have no delight in them. Isaiah 40:28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is unscrutable. Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. God as Creator shows His power over creation, not only in Genesis 1, but throughout Scripture. In Genesis 7 and 8, God as Creator shows His power over creation with the great flood. When you think about all the details of the great flood, it's all from God. In Jonah 1.17, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, not that Jonah is someone we look up to, but Jonah is one we can learn from. Jonah 1.17, as Jonah was trying to flee from God, it says the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And in Jonah 2.10, so the Lord spoke to the fish, and I don't know another word to use, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It listened because it's part of creation. In the New Testament we see God as creator in Matthew fourteen as Peter walked on the water but started to sink, and then in Matthew fourteen, thirty one and thirty two, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. He was going down. And he said to him, Oh you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, what happened? The wind ceased. Again, God the Creator. Mark 4, 35-39 shows that Jesus as Creator was in charge of His creation when the disciples woke Jesus up and they said, Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Then <laughs> Jesus arose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Immediately, not somewhere down the line, but immediately, the power of God. Well, this morning we're going to look at another example of God as Creator's power over creation in the Old Testament book of Joshua. Join me in Joshua chapter 10. So we'll focus on verses 12 to 14, and we will discover three lessons we can learn from seeing Creator God's power over creation. Joshua chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 12 to 14, but we're going to need to understand everything going on in chapters 9 and 10 before we can understand 12 to 14. Back in Joshua 9, the word traveled fast that Israel's army had defeated the armies in Jericho and Ai, and so the city of Gibeon, another city, an important city, decides They can't defeat Israel, so they put together a little scheme to make a peace treaty with Israel. They see they're probably going to lose down the line, so instead of losing down the line, they decide, let's make a treaty with Israel. Their armies are too strong. Plus, who's with the army? God is. He's with them. Gibeon sends some undercover Hivites who traveled to Joshua and the Israeli army in Gilgal, and they tell them they're from a far country. We're not uh, from where we're going to say we're really from, but we're from a far country and we want to have a treaty with you so we don't get defeated. That's really the bottom line. So they have an interview with General Joshua. Israel signs a peace treaty with the Gibeonite spies. Israel later finds out they have been tricked But Joshua says Israel must honor the treaty because it was ratified by an oath in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So look with me back here at 9 verse 15 and we'll see what happened there. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. So that's how the treaty came about. And that's the background of what we're going to be looking at this morning. Even though Israel had been tricked into a peace treaty with the nearby Gibeonites, they honored the treaty, but the Gibeonites down the line were cursed and they became slaves of the Israelites for deceiving them back here in chapter 9. So chapter 10, what's going to happen? It begins with a coalition of cities against the marching armies of Israel. And we'll read here verses 1 and 2. And I may not pronounce all of these correctly, but I'll give it a good try. Now it came about when Adon Zedek, king of Israel, heard that Joshua had captured Ai and had utterly destroyed it just he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were within their land, that he feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. So we see right away, the scheme coming about as they see Israel's army coming. Five miles south of Gibeon is Jerusalem and they're in a panic mode, knowing Jerusalem may be the next city to fall. So what happens beginning here, verse 3? Therefore adon, adon, adon Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent word to Hoham, king of Hebron, and to Piram, king of Jarmath, and to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me, help me, let us attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up. They all with their armies encamped by Gibeon and fought against it. So, The king of Jerusalem says, I want to get these other cities together and their armies. We will gather together and we will defeat Gibeon before anything else can be done. So they want to unite. They want to war against that city. Of course, not against Israel. And we read on. They unite into a five king grouping. So verse 5 says, So the five kings of the Amorites... And all these that are listed, they camped together by Gibeon and fought against it. We need to remember ancient wars when they happened. And we even see this with David and Goliath with the Philistines on one side and the armies of Israel on the other. There was usually a valley where they fought. And so each side would camp and they would have all their armies displayed on one side or the other. And, of course, I don't know if this happened, but I can picture it, that maybe somebody on the smaller side might be counting. They might have a few more than we have on our side. But they wanted to show their power. They wanted to show their strength. So they each had their armies on each side. Well, these five cities with their armies, they want Gibeon to see the great armies they have assembled. So they have them all displayed, ready to come down, ready to attack them. And it says, as we go on here in verse 6, and this is kind of interesting, there's some things in these stories that I know God has a sense of humor. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgai, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. And so, they look like they're in trouble, don't they? Uh, they are looking at all these armies outside of of this city, waiting to attack them. And now they have this, uh, seeing all these that are ready to destroy them. And so, they're very, very concerned. So, in verse 6, we note here that They send a fast runner. They send somebody quickly. I don't know if they had sprinters in those days. They probably did. They sent their quickest one to run over and talk to Joshua. Please help us. We're outnumbered. We're not going to win. And remember, you signed a treaty. Even though we tricked you, you signed it. But you did an oath in the name of the Lord. So they call upon him. So Joshua's response is recorded in verse 7. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the valiant warriors. And then I love verse 8. This is a promise to Joshua, but I think it's a promise to us no matter what comes our way. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua gets his army ready. They march up steep and rough terrain, that's the area between those two cities, at night 25 miles from Gilgal to Gibeon. While I was in the military, I was with the 7th Infantry and we did all of our maneuvers at night all our battles were at night and we had to wear what they call nods anybody ever heard of that you know what a nod is that's night vision that you wear these special glasses and you can see when it's dark you don't want any light but you can see real well and so I I don't think they had these so they were marching at night 25 miles with the army to go and to rescue this city they had made a treaty with so Joshua is honoring the treaty. But verse 8, God gives them a promise that they will have the victory. Verses 9 and 10, we read and we see here Joshua takes God at His word. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. And the Lord confounded them before Israel. And He slew them with a great slaughter, Gibeon pursued them by the way of the ascent of Beth and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. So Joshua is taking God at his word. Even though this great five-city army had assembled against Gibeon, and he honored the treaty, Joshua had one thing that he could remember, and that was God said, I will have the victory. How many promises are in God's Word? I know somebody's probably counted them. I don't know the exact number. Rig, do you know? Okay. There's many, many promises. And some of those we use more often than others. But every situation we get in, one thing about the promises of God we can always count on. God never reneges on one. If we take him at His Word, God always comes through. And I'm so amazed here as I look at these different characters, these different leaders in the Old Testament. They didn't have everything we had. Jesus hadn't come yet. And yet they took God at His word. Just like when God came to Noah and said, I'm going to send a flood and they'd never seen rain, Noah took Him at His word. Just like when... God spoke to Abraham, I want you to go and I'll tell you where you're going on your way. Abraham packed it up and went. And so we too, I think, are challenged here with, with Joshua. He says, God, you said I will have the victory. I'm counting that I will have the victory because God cannot lie. His promises are always true. We can always lean on them. He will never let us down. So now we come, as we approach the passage we're going to look at, 12 to 14, we come, I want to read on here to uh, verse 11, because it's interesting how God gives this victory. I believe many times God will bring us to points in our lives where the only one who can get credit is Him, because He deserves it. And if you get a chance to come to the Christmas program tonight, we were there last night, as was shared and as was shown, it's all to the glory of God. Everything we do, every opportunity we have is for God's glory. That's our purpose here on this earth, to bring honor and glory to God. And if you can come tonight and missed it last night, I encourage you to come to the Christmas program because it definitely glorified God as we are to do. Verse 11, here's what it says about the battle. The enemy, as they fled from before Israel while they were at the descent of Beth Horan. The Lord threw large stones from heaven on them. As far as Azekah and they died, there were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword, how many have ever heard hailstones? How many are dumb enough to run out and try to get a sample that you can show somebody later how big they are? <laughs> ah, my hand's still up when I was I was growing up in the Midwest, and they had the tornado sirens going and everything, and these big chunks of ice, I think I was about seven or eight. Big chunks of ice were falling on the ground. They are about the size, not quite as big as a softball. And I thought, I want a souvenir of that. So I ran out with my mom screaming, don't go out there in that. Grabbed one, put it in the freezer. Because I wanted people to believe this is really a big hailstone. Well, these were probably bigger hailstones that fell on this enemy. And was killing them more than the sword. Why? Because where were the... Rocks and the hailstones coming from? From God. It says from heaven. Wow. I just get overwhelmed at how great a God we serve. We can never underestimate Him. We can never say it's beyond you, God, because nothing is beyond God, is it? We can always trust Him because He is faithful. So now we come... The three lessons we can learn in this example of Creator God's power over His creation. And the first lesson is found in verse 12, and that is, God's Word is true. Follow with me of verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said, In the sight of Israel... O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. Joshua took God's word because back in verse 8, what did God say? I will give you the victory. We have all kinds of things. We're not usually in a battle such as what Joshua is in, but we have battles going on all the time in our lives. Romans 8:28. is it true today or not? All things work together for good to them that love God, them that are called according to His purpose. Is that true now? Or you say, well, that was good for somebody else, but I don't really see it happening. Do we take Him at His word? The battle is waning on with the Amorites. Joshua turned first to who? To the Lord. I think that's a great example for us, a good lesson for us. Who do we turn to in a crisis? Who do we turn to when something comes unexpectedly and we feel overwhelmed? We need to turn to the Lord first when we're in the midst of battle. It says here in verse 12, In the day when the Lord, He's in the battle, He's leading the battle that's going on. But he has the assurance of verse 8. God says, I will give you the victory. Our final victory is what in life? To be ushered into God's presence someday, right? And so we have that to look forward to. What can man do to us end our life here on this earth? Not before God says so. Because God knows us so well. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And some of it easier to count than others, right? But He knows it. He knows all about us. We can put our trust in Him. Joshua turns to the Lord, knowing that the Lord has promised him the victory. That emergency that comes up. How many get emergencies in their life? And raise your hand, there's three of you, four, okay. <laughs> we have them all the time we We think how the day's going to go, and then suddenly we say, "Where'd that come from?" and then another one, and then sometimes two or three in one day, but you know God's never taken by surprise. there's no emergency with God. If we truly believe romans eight twenty eight and apply it to every situation, there's nothing that should surprise us except to see how great God is in working out situations that we've given up on. How many times, as Joshua turning to the Lord here in battle, how many times has Joshua already turned to the Lord in battle? When he faced the walls of Jericho back in Joshua 6, he saw the big walls and he said, Lord, what shall we do as an army? And the battle plan was, hit him with nuclear. No. It was to do it God's way, to march around the city on that final day. When the trumpets blew, the walls will fall down. And Joshua said, I will take you at your word, God, and I will trust you. And when they carried out God's battle plan, what happened to the walls? They fell down and they had a victory. God kept his word. Joshua 2, trusting God. When facing the city of Ai, back in chapter 7, they were defeated. But they had victory in chapter 8. They had the victory because God wants us to obey him how? Half-heartedly or half or just kind of say, I'll go through the motions. Does God know our hearts? Everything we do and say, God knows what's behind it. We can't fool him. He wants us to trust him completely. Because everything else in life's going to let us down. Only God is the one who will always be faithful. It's God's grace to have many at Lakeside who portray in their lives that they take Romans 8:28 to heart. Some are battling illnesses, some blindness, cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, physical threats. Missionaries, both in America and abroad, face persecution. While some face financial, emotional threats at work because they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua spoke to the Lord as he made a proclamation in the rest of verse 12. He says, O sun, stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. In the midst of battle in which God promised the victory, God directs the sun through Joshua here to stand still at Gibeon. Joshua speaks to the sun because he's speaking from the perspective and appearance of things on earth. This extra long day will with this likely be set at noon and the moon's on the horizon to the west. Joshua petitions God for a miracle. Time for Joshua and the army of Israel to win the battle God said they would have. John MacArthur shares... Most likely the sun moved in the same way to keep perfect pace with the battlefield. The moon also ceased its orbiting. So not only the sun, but the moon as well. Joshua prayed to God, the creator of the universe, to intervene so the victory could be accomplished. Is it proper to ask God for a miracle like Joshua did here? And if and when we ask for a miracle, will we accept it if it isn't granted? Examples galore in God's Word. I always think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. They were the only ones who wouldn't bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And he was angry they didn't bow to that image of him and his gods. But they said, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to worship the idol you have set up. And of course, that made Nebuchadnezzar very angry. See, that happen quite often in the book of Daniel, where he turns red, beat red, and just goes into rage. But... God used that. He delivered them so that when they came out of the fiery furnace, they not only didn't have singed clothes, they didn't even smell of smoke. That's a complete deliverance, a complete miracle of God. And then we, of course, know Daniel, Daniel 6. He served God faithfully as a prisoner of war for Seventy years and put his trust that he continued to pray to God even when it suddenly became against the law to pray to any God but to the king. And it was God who protected Daniel in the lion's den. And Daniel didn't have any bite marks when he came out. In fact, the king ran and said, quickly bring him up. I want to see if he's still alive. Because the king said before Daniel went in the lion's den, maybe the God that you serve so faithfully will deliver you. That's a heathen king saying that. That's the power of God. And then we also see through Scripture, we see in the Exodus 14, the parting of the Red Sea with Moses. Again, all these miracles that God... Has done and continues to do in our lives today. We believe the Word of God, the Bible, God's Scriptures, are absolute, inerrant, and infallible. Second Timothy three sixteen and seven. All Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. One inmate in Virginia shared this. And one thing that is a blessing is to hear some things that these men who are incarcerated share because they have no reason to pretend. It's all laid out. When you're uh, an inmate in, in prison or in jail, you're told what to do. But here's what one shared. Sterling Jameson, he's in Virginia, Serving his time, he wrote this, the Word. More than a book, more than a story, it's the Word of the Lord, full of glory. Wisdom within, knowledge throughout, faith comes by hearing the Word, never doubt. Humble the heart, ready the mind, you never know what treasure you'll find. Read it, learn it, love it, live it, freely receive it, and then freely give it. Sharper than any two-edged sword, take hold, Christian soldier, the Word of the Lord. God's Word, what a precious gift we have to learn more about God, to learn more here about His power over creation. He created us. We're all unique. We're all different. No two alike. Say, well, what about twins? I'm not going down that road. You know, what about that exception or that exception? but we're all a little different. And God created us. And He continues to work in our lives, sometimes despite us. Amen? Joshua believed God would keep His Word. Likewise, we should believe God will keep His Word. When we doubt, when we're overwhelmed, when we're ready to quit, no claim, cling to the promise that God's Word is true. That's lesson number one of this passage. Lesson number two. These three verses are recorded in verse 13. And here's what it says. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day Lesson number two, God's miracles produce results. What happened? When Joshua was crying out for the sun to stand still and the moon, what happened? God made it happen. God's miracle came forth and it produced these results. When God the Creator intervenes and the miracle occurs, the results come. Many, many examples in the Bible, but a couple of them, Peter in Acts 12:5. you remember what happened to Peter, he was ready to be executed, and the local church was praying for him. And yet, when God delivered him from that prison, the day before he was to be executed, he had to knock on the door and beg him to open the door. And a little girl kept saying, you know, here's Peter at the door. We've been praying for him. And it was Peter. It wasn't a ghost. They were saying, oh, that's a ghost out there. No, it was Peter. Why? Because God intervened. His power. And... Those miracles produced results. It had Peter knocking at the door of the local church saying, you can quit praying for now for, for God's intervention because he did intervene. Paul and Silas in Acts 16, always reminded of that. They were in prison. They were really down and depressed and they were sitting in a corner, a dark corner. What were they doing? Singing. Wow. They had a singing group there and they were trusting the Lord. They were singing and what happened? A great earthquake came, opened up the doors and they all ran away. Now they all stayed. And of course through that, the jail keeper who was responsible for them, he would have been executed for their escape. Paul and Silas say, no need for that. We're still here. Still trusting God. God didn't direct us to leave. We're still here. Why? To witness to that jailkeeper because he was saved as well as who else? His family as well. God is Creator is in control. He is sovereign. No one can stand up to Him. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? And the answer is no one. We must never, ever underestimate God's power. God heard Joshua's prayer for the earth to slow so the sun would stay up and the moon to stay in its place so the battle could be finished. We must never forget that God stopped also all the catastrophic effects that would have occurred if God hadn't intervened. You think about it today, if it did that today, what about the tidal waves? What about the tsunami that could have occurred? What about all those side effects of that happening? God's in control. God knows all about it. You think anything gets by God? Anything? No, it doesn't. Not even that. And you know, He even has control in our lives. Even when things look chaotic and we don't understand, God's still in control, isn't He? We have how many times to live on this earth? One time. And we're to take it how many days at a time? One day. Is one day enough? Some days you say, wow, you know, John, that I, I don't even want a half a day sometimes because things pile up, but God's in control. We have this one opportunity to bring glory to God on this earth and then it's eternity with the Lord. Sometimes God directs certain events, situations in our lives so the only one we can turn to is Him. And if God chooses a miracle in our situation or not, we must still trust Him. We sing a song and some of the songs that we sing, if we really think about them, we're going to need to make sure we mean him. Because we sing the song in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. We can only stand with him supporting us. We can't do it any other way. And believe me, the world is looking for the answer. And we need to point him to Jesus because he is the answer. One commentator on this going on here with Joshua and the army had this comment. Found it very interesting. The sun and moon were principal deities among the Canaanites, the ones they were fighting. At the prayer of Israel's leader, Canaan's gods were compelled to obey because they worshiped the sun and the moon. This disturbance to their gods must have been terribly upsetting and frightening. When they see the leader of Israel, Joshua, saying, Sun, stand still, moon, stay in your place, that's the gods they worship. That's two of them. So the impact that must have had as well. When our true God intervenes according to His plans for us, unbelievable results come about. Lazarus raised from the dead in John 11, the command. and I I love how some commentators look at it, and I, I agree with it. Some that have studied this. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, why did he say Lazarus? He's the creator of the universe. Because if he wouldn't have said Lazarus, all those who were dead may come up, come forth. So he named it. That's his power. And what happened? Did Lazarus wake up? He came out. He had been bound. He had been dead for days and they had to unwrap him. So again, God's miracle. The ten lepers cleansed in Luke 17 as they were going to the high priest to be declared clean instead of having uh, the leprosy. One came back to thank him, but as they went, they were cleansed. They had no more leprosy. Jairus' daughter raised in Matthew 9. The 4,000 fed in Matthew 15. The net full of fishes in Luke 5. The list can go on and on of God's power over creation. I know some in here are fishermen. Can you imagine catching so much fish the nets are breaking? you got to call another boat over. We're sinking. We have so much fish. God's power again. We read in... Verse 13, is it not written in the book of Jashar? What's the book of Jashar? The word Jashar means upright. The book of Jashar is a compilation of Hebrew songs in honoring Israel's leaders and their victories in battle. As here, we see one of those that would go into that book because Joshua believed God in verse eight. Took him at his word, and when he said, "Sun stand still, moon do not move, stay in your place," because God had promised him the victory, it happened. Because God is great, God is over all. Lesson number three from these three verses in Joshua 10 is given in verse 14. That lesson is, remember God's ways are higher than our ways. Verse 14. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. God's ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55.9 tells us. Creator God showed His power over His creation in this miracle as reflected in the first part of verse 14. No day like it, before or after, one of a kind, unique, a day in which the sun didn't set until the victory in battle was complete. When the Lord listened to the voice of a man, He heard Joshua. Praise the Lord, He hears us when we cry out to Him. He doesn't say, John, I've heard enough. You're at your limit today. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. He hears our prayers. He hears our cries. And sometimes it's a cry, isn't it? We've got nowhere else to turn. And the Lord says, good. But learn from this. Turn to me first. Joshua did here. Joshua gave him victories because right away in his life, he didn't say, well, what can I do? He said, Lord, Here's, here's something going on. I need your help. The verse continues, because he heard Joshua's cry. And like the gods of the Amorites or the gods of America, our God is eternal. And here's our prayer. Psalm 77.1 I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and He gave ear to me. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined to me and heard my cry. The final part of verse 14 reads, what a promise here for Joshua and the nation of Israel, for the Lord fought for Israel. Before the Red Sea parted so Israel could get away from the Egyptian armies, we're told in Exodus 14, 13, but Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Again, we're told after Joshua and the armies of Israel conquered southern Palestine and in Joshua 10.42, Joshua captured all these kings and their lands at one time because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Israel, God's chosen nation, needed and needs today the Lord fighting for them. We as Christians need to know God is fighting for us. Whether it's a spiritual battle or a physical battle like Joshua faced, our hope is in God creator of the universe. A song we sing at Lakeside reminds us that God is fighting for us and I'm not going to sing it. Don't be afraid. Might have Joe sing it, but I'm not going to sing it. The Lord is my salvation. The grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea, and I am safe on this solid ground. The Lord is my salvation. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord or God, strong to save, faithful in love? My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation." My hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of his word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. We need to not only sing it, but we need to believe it and live by it. God gave this promise to Joshua that they would win. And one inmate shares this and I'll share this with you because I think it's an encouragement. Or he wrote, you're not alone. Larry from Fort Stockton, Texas at the correctional unit there. So many people do not believe in the name of Jesus Christ. It is because of all the troubles that have happened in their life. There are some who believed in Him, who backslid and turned away the bad things that happened in this life made them lose their faith to pray. Some speak to me words of defeat during the storm I'm going through. I then reply with my head up high that I have faith and you should too. In this life I live, I have struggled. I have seen so many rainy days. There were times I would have given up, but instead I cried and prayed. So many people do not believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I am a living witness that God can change your life. For every problem I've had in life, God has moved them all away. That is because instead of giving up, I chose to fight and pray. God has never let me down in all the storms I've gone through. God has been so good to me and He will do the same for you. God will never leave us nor forsake us. He didn't hear with Joshua. He won't in our lives. So we've seen this morning three lessons from this unbelievable miracle recorded in Joshua 10. First, God's Word is true. Second, God's miracles produce results. And third, God's ways are higher than our ways. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be encouraged. When all seems lost, no situation is a lost cause. No one is beyond hope. Our hope is in the creator of this universe. And we saw with Joshua and the armies of Israel, he is the God of miracles. For all of us as believers, we must never forget and ever be thankful for the greatest miracle, salvation. We were dead spiritually, but by God's grace, He chose us, He saved us, and He keeps us saved. And I'll close with this written by Dale Smith in Grady, Arkansas, serving a life sentence. And I couldn't think of anything to to better close this study with. Here's what he wrote. It's called Miracles. The greatest miracle ever happened in my soul was that wonderful day when Jesus made me whole. I was so deep in sin, I could see no way out. But Jesus worked a miracle and how my mouth did shout. Jesus worked a miracle on the cross of Calvary when He gave His sinless life from this world to set us free. When Jesus said, It is finished, a great miracle took place. My sins were all forgiven by His amazing grace. My sins are all washed away. And the old man I was is dead Or the mighty miracle in that precious blood Jesus shed. When you think you have no hope, There's nothing you can do. Just open your heart to Jesus and He'll work a miracle in you. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the example of Joshua who took You at Your Word as we should. Father, we just pray for each one here. If anyone is struggling with whatever it might be, Lord, that uh, they and we all would turn that over to You. And if we're asking for a miracle, Lord, we know it's within Your power. But if it doesn't come, help us to trust You still, as You are so faithful to us. Father God, just be with us this day. Help us to glorify Your name. In Jesus' name, Amen.